You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi everyone, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone spelled woe period begone wherever you listen to podcasts or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts have fun and see you later hi everyone it's johnny from the magnus archives today i'm here to tell you about chapter and multiverse the new actual play podcast from rusty quill Across each series of Chapter and Multiverse, we'll be diving into multiple tabletop systems. No two series will ever be the same as we explore the city of Chapter across alternative universes. Chapter and Multiverse will feature a diverse, rotating cast of performers. In our first series, GM Maddie Searle will be running a campaign of Masks, a new generation, designed by Brendan Conway. She'll be joined by Ahmed Al-Jabri, Lorianne Davis... Lydia Nicholas and Pip Gladwin as intrepid young superheroes in the metropolis of Chapter, with Kareem Cronfley as the Eternal Tavern Keeper. Search for Chapter and Multiverse wherever you listen to your podcasts, or visit www.rustyquill.com for more information. Hi everybody, Ben here. Welcome to the Magnus Archives feed, but this is not the Magnus Archives, no. It is tangentially related to the Magnus Archives. Please keep listening to our content. (laughs) Today, I am going to be running a game of Mothership, which is a tabletop role-playing game by Tuesday Night Games. That's night with a K which is available as a pay-what-you-want PDF on DriveThruRPG or from their website, and then you can get extra modules which are paid-paid. This is basically an alien RPG. If you want to play alien, this is the RPG for you. And today, I have with me... It's Johnny! He's still here! It's Johnny! You might think he's gone, because Magnus is gone, but he's still here playing Mothership with his best friend in the world, Ben Meredith. It's true. Bosom buds. And who else do we have? I mean, 
<laughs> I'm Lydia. I played Melanie in the past. That's the thing I did. And Lydia is my leg bud. <laughs> <laughs> and and who else do we have lurking in the corner? That's Alex Newell. I used to play Martin, and I am Ben's antagonist du jour. Yes. Du jour? It's a six-year jour. It's a big jour. Six-year jour. It's a heffing great jour, and I am I am sticking with it. Is the leg thing a reference to the fact that in our other continuing podcast, your character doesn't have legs? Oh, no. I was just desperately trying to think of an, a body part like a bosom that wasn't like weirdly suggestive, and I was like, legs. Yeah, legs yeah. is fine. Legs, famously non-suggestive <laughs> body part. Ben, leggy Meredith, nothing suggestive there. Oh, no, he's made it suggestive. Least erogenous of the limbs. <laughs> I feel like the elbow is probably the least sexy part of the body. There'll be people who are here There will be it. people who disagree. Yeah, don't write Please in. Please do not. Yeah. <laughs> there will be people who have built their heads identity around the no. elbow being extremely erotic no do not at us we are also going to be using the x card by john stavropoulos basically what this is is this is a horror game which means that themes may come up which are unpleasant to people it specifically or beyond the bounds of what is acceptable in a game for us you're not going to hear it on our skype call we'll be like holding our hands up like an x like we're you know calling the x-men or something thanks for demoing ben yeah i demoed it in a way that again well i was demoing the fact you can't hear it because i was doing it and they were good <laughs> to hear it and we will edit out that bit it will be gone so you won't hear it being used mm. by design but yes it is being used and is a good thing and i would suggest looking at the the free google doc that you can read through for some good safety in trpgs i just want to say a thanks from me for flagging up there on recording that we do that because i think too often these sorts of things are edited out of recorded shows and people don't get to know that there are like safety mechanisms and awkward discussions and stuff in games like this with professionals so they then think that they don't have space to do that themselves. Yeah, yeah. We make mistakes and we get uncomfortable and we have discussions about difficult things and we do that. And that's the thing. You're allowed to. It's good, in fact. Yeah, editor, if we can remove that acknowledgement of human fallibility, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was, I've been struggling to pay attention because as soon as Ben said holding your arms up like the X-Men, all I could think was the X-Card accompanied by, in the 90s X-Men TV show, the really sad version of the... Yeah, totally there with you. Ah, well, that's the soundtrack for the game, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get the rights Something on a spaceship. It's going to kill us all. Ben's got horrible things waiting for us. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Speaking of, let's quickly set up the situation. So I've gone with a classic alien thing. You know, we're doing a one shot, so let's keep it focused. You're all space truckers. You are hauling some supplies, which are not important, across space. Usually you would do this in a cryosleep, but every so often you are all woken up for health checks and also to make sure that everything is fine. And you have just been woken up because you are entering or you're flying a little bit too close to a specific planet. So they need some human sort of governance to make sure that nothing goes wrong. This is completely normal and standard. Nothing about this is concerning. This is just about life being a long-haul, you know, space 
flyer. <sighs> but before we get into the role play, unless Johnny's just really tired with this <laughs> yeah, intro. That's just like, I do not want to be here. That was some pre-role play. That was some pre-role yeah, yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would like to very briefly meet the characters, but there's one thing. So I've created some pre-written characters for this because nobody's got time for this. There are a couple of things that I haven't done, which is that each character has a patch and a trinket. So like a little patch that they sew onto their uniform and a little trinket that they have. And I would like people to actually roll on those things. Mm -hmm. Yes, lovely. Lid, would you like to go first? Grand. I am an android whose designation is 0170701. I do not take well to that being shortened. I am rolling my D100 generator. Oh, and a 96 is a high score. Good. 96 is a pair of shot glasses and some spent shotgun shells. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Apparently you're some sort of cowboy. (laughs) Well, uh, am I supposed to explain what they are now? It's an idea generation. You can do it now. You could do it later. It might not come up. That's okay. That's cool. They are in, I will say, in a small case which is good they are not on display on my shoulders Mm -hmm. like some kind of furniture ornament you don't have quarters as such but you have like a locker that you keep your things in they are in a locker they are there cool and would you like to roll your patch yeah let's see let's see right that's a six okay which is a biohazard symbol interesting i wonder if that is not an ironic thing but that the robot is actually biohazardous yeah sure or it has been carved into the metal in some kind of cruel prank which i then maintained maybe it's as simple as that to ensure that we don't try to eat you it could be or it might be that at some point in the past you were biohazardous Mm. and like because you were working i don't know in some radioactive or like medical sort of thing and you really liked the distance that everyone gave you so you've just kind of kept the symbol yes you could just not like people (laughs) if we're going into the detail of this one now i won't say exactly what it but i'm going to say it's it's very worn and it is in fact on my do androids wear jackets well i was going to say you can wear whatever you want to be honest to androids dream of cool jackets (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think it is on because it doesn't need to be washed changed and replaced in the same kind of way it is on their protective gear because being security i suppose i do have armor and the biohazard symbol is stuck to the armor and is quite worn it is still visible but it's clearly been there a long time for the purposes of you know if people aren't familiar mm-hmm. with Alien, because you know not everyone in the world has seen the same things. Mm. Androids in the Alien setting, and by kind of relation, this setting, look very human-like. Mm-hmm. They look like people. Mm-hmm. But better. They're just better in every way. Said yep. mm. Alex, not an android. Newell. Alex, remind me, were you allowed to play the android? No, but that's because I'm Ben's antagonist, and you know Ben's pro-robot the way everyone should be. I genuinely did ban Alex from playing the android because I knew it was just going to be robotic supremacy jokes forever. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have an appearance in mind or do you want to leave that ambiguous for now? I was thinking incredibly bland featured male. For some reason, I don't like the idea of a 
female android, but then I realized that there is a lot to get into there about how we feminize helper robots. And in fact, I know a lot of really great articles that you could read about why we give things like Alexa and Siri female voices and names and how that contributes to certain reproducing certain power structures. But yes, in this hard to describe so generic, one of the Chris's in the Marvel franchise before they've bulked up kind of they just all look the same in a very like generic white but pale to the slightly unhealthy degree off the shelf if you had a toy of a corporate business person yeah that is what this creature would look like (laughs) whichever chris you want to put in as liz character it's that chris yeah but not hot oh yes yeah just so generic it's your eyes almost slide off them and it's hard to describe them from a group. One of that class of Hollywood actor where you say, oh, it's that guy. And everyone starts saying different people from different films. Yeah, that one. Oh, you know, the one with the chiseled jaw, but not so chiseled that it really stands out, you know? Yeah, yeah. The one with the eyes and that nose. Yeah. Oh, the got slight like... beard, right? And mousy brown hair. You know the one? Mousy brown hair and tall, but not so tall <laughs> that people say like, oh, what's the weather up there? But like tall enough that other men pay deference to them (laughs) you know that that kind of thing nice good stuff okay johnny would you like to go next yes i am going to play carter block a engineer the engineer the engineer good stuff okay can you roll on your trinket table please i would love to roll on my trinket table ben that would be an eight okay so you have got a manual called Treat Your Rifle Like a Lady. <laughs> do I have a rifle? Uh, or a lady. I don't think I actually do. No, I don't think you do. No, that's so much better. That means that you've got yeah. life aspirations, but they're really specific. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no, wonderful. In fact, having seen that manual, I make very careful not to leave you alone with any of my rifles. <laughs> Oh, good. I like, yeah, that's bad, but it says so much about this character. (laughs) And my patch is 65. 65 is, it just says, all-seeing eye. I guess you can say... It actually does! Are you you serious? Did you roll that? Good special (laughs) little boy. Yeah. Ah! You think Johnny would on purpose put in a reference? He's actually... (laughs) (laughs) He has been shackled by this random roll. The thing is, what this actually indicates to me is that Carter Block is like kind of like a low-key anti-government conspiracy survivalist. Yep, that makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah. If he wasn't in a spaceship, he would be building a bunker. Yep. I'm literally looking over all the rest to be like, is this just the kind of cold reading thing? Are they all like eyes yeah. in <laughs> some kind of way? But no, no. You, you have actually rolled the only beholding baby. One question. Is it a slogan that says all-seeing eye or is it an image of an all-seeing eye? It's both, to be honest. Like, it's it's a triangle. It's like the eye and pyramid on the American dollar, except Mm -hmm. instead of the pyramid, it is the words all-seeing eye. In a pyramid shape, yeah. Nice. Yeah, like, I'll be honest, the formatting and kerning isn't great, but the patch just spoke to him. Mm. Oh, that one hurt. (laughs) Good question. Is it bought or homemade? (laughs) It's bought. He's not, like... I don't think he's a particularly... Like, he's an engineer... But I think, based on that book, 
I think he probably has certain views about what crafts are masculine and what crafts are not masculine. Of course, of course. Engineering, masculine. Cleaning a gun, mm. masculine. Sewing his own patch, mm, not masculine. Yeah. And do you have a physical description for now or do you want to leave it for later? Pete Postlethwaite. Sure. Absolutely. That kind of like somewhere near the end of middle age, but you couldn't tell exactly where because there's a lot of crags. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And Alex. All right. So rolling a D100 for a trinket. 47. So that is gloves, leather, xenomorph hide brackets. Oh. Gosh. That is a very high-stakes trinket very quickly. Okay. How did you get these gloves? So I have to ask you, on a scale of common to unheard of, where does Xenomorph sit? I mean, they're common enough for gloves of them to exist, so I guess, like, they're probably not common, but they're about... I mean, also, Xenomorph probably doesn't refer specifically to a alien. It's, you know, a foreign, non-terrestrial creature. Also, you don't necessarily need to know that that is what the leather is. True. Now, here's the thing. I believe that my character hopes that they are and was sold them to be such (laughs) because my character's extremely keen, but hasn't been able to verify such. And it's probably the only article of faith that they've ever taken a leap on. Mm. Are they constantly telling everyone about these cool xenomorph leather gloves? (laughs) (laughs) They carefully evaluate someone to decide whether they think they'll respond positively first. Because mm. the last thing you want to do is throw it out there and have someone tell you you're wrong, because that's just unacceptable. Yeah, Cardinal's <laughs> just like, that's moleskin, mate. <laughs> so, what is your patch? <laughs> 84. It's just in all caps the words, GOOD BOY! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want to elaborate on what that means to your character, or are we leaving it ambiguous? <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, I want to okay. just leave that. I have a patch that says, good boy. <laughs> what does the patch look like? The patch is in very large, bright, friendly colours and fonts. Think Don't Panic from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, but good sure. boy. Sure. Okay. Oh, I should probably give you a name. Oh, you should. And an appearance, even. Indeed. Dr. Alabaster Artichoke. <sighs> God, Alex. Why are you Alex? All scientists have to have fancy names. It's a rule. I was restrained, Alex. I was considering being Jim Elbow. (laughs) (laughs) I gave you a character that you could call Dr. Al. You're fine. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Alabaster Artichoke, sure. Yeah, Dr. Alabaster Artichoke. And I'd like you to take a very pale and wan and slight Victorian gentleman and then transpose him into the current setting. I don't mean in terms of clothing, I mean, you know, that aesthetic. Yeah. Has spent far, far, far too long away from the sun and seems to relish that fact. Very small glasses. Very small glasses, Mm -hmm. painfully thin. Yes. But very quick to smile. There you go. And to say that you are all wearing the corporate standard uniform of a pale blue corporate jumpsuit over which you have accessorised, of course, but you have to be wearing those as part of the rules. But, for example, 01707701 also has a cool jacket. Well, it's an armour thing. Oh, yes, sorry, it's your armour, isn't it? Yes. It's stab-proof. Yeah. The only thing you could take from me is that one size truly does not fit all. I look more like a walking pair of curtains. At this point, I should probably explain how the system works. Obviously, I've explained this to the players beforehand, but for the audience's benefit, this is a D100 system. You have four stats of strength, speed, intellect, and combat. When I ask the players to, you know, check against them, they need to roll a D100 and roll under their value. 
They also have some saves, which are sanity, fear, body, and armor. This is when I do things to the players. So, you know, if the player wanted to try and fix an engine, they'd be rolling intellect. But if the engine then explodes, I'd probably ask them to roll an armor save. They'll take damage and they'll gain things. One particular thing that this game has is stress and panic. Basically, the game over man, game over bit. Yeah! Which is probably the entire reason that this mechanic exists, would be my guess. But basically, when things go wrong, the players will gain stress. This can kind of be anything. It's very much like I determine when they gain stress. But usually it's like failing a roll because things are not going well, and that is stressful. And then when I deem it appropriate, they will make a panic check. They'll roll 2d10 and try and roll over their current stress level. That's how that works. So it gets harder, not easier. And if they fail that check, they will then panic. That means they roll on a panic table, which means that their behavior will become erratic because obviously they're freaking out and not necessarily thinking in the most logical way possible. There's also some class stuff, like each of them. So Johnny is a teamster, Alex is a scientist, and Lydia is an android. They have some specific mechanics, but we'll get to them if they're relevant. You know, I don't have time, and it's probably quite boring for me to explain all of the damn mechanics. So you'll hear it through play, but that's the basic stuff. We shall now read the entire source book from page one to page 50. Settle in. This is an actual read, not an actual play. (laughs) But yeah, the last thing that I want from the players is to name their ship. Does anybody have any offers? So what's the name of our company for listeners? Oh, yes. The United Earth Corporation, or UEC, which is the prefix for the ship. Oh, okay. I like the idea of this company's ships being named after Earth land masses. And this is such a small and generic ship. I'm trying to work out what the most... Isle of Wight? (laughs) The UEC Isle of Wight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. UEC Jersey? I feel bad for Jerseyans. I know nice people from Guernsey, you know? I'm sure there's nice people on every island, just like they're harder to find on the Isle of Wight. No, Lydia has branded everybody in the Isle of Wight an absolute bastard. No, they're lovely. No, oh dear. Please don't write in on postcards. Especially not ones from the Isle of Wight. Lydia will not like that. Ben, are we keeping that bit of recording in from the pre-show where Lyd said that she wanted to sink the Isle of Wight? Yes, just straight into the sea. What was her phrase? Pull out the plug and let it go down. Standing on the south coast arrogantly. I wouldn't need to do anything about that. Like, look, coastal erosion and the shifting of tectonic plates, which are lowering the south of England at a faster rate than the seas are rising, is doing that for me. We are okay with that. It's just the way that you described it, a blight on the ocean. It was really weird. (laughs) Anyway, before we go too far, are we good with the UEC Isle of Wight? Yeah. Honestly, I quite like Isle of Wight. It's got a level of banality that I do like, yeah. So this is the UEC Isle of Wight. 01707701 has been looking after the general functioning, but obviously is not a pilot or a navigator. This is not their speciality. Their security, which is good if anything attacked. You also have a pilot called Anton... I can only think of Debray, which I think is a Satanist. No, you're thinking of LeVay. LeVay, Anton LeVay. LeVay. Okay, right. This is such a U2 conversation. Sorry. So Anton Debray is fine. <laughs> So you also have a pilot called Anton Debray, who is not being played by a player, so it will definitely survive a long, long time. <laughs> Excited to see him enter a comfortable retirement. Yes. Ben, you will seriously go up in my esteem if Anton Debray is the only survivor. Like, I will be genuinely really happy with you. Well, <laughs> we shall see. What is a survivor in a game like oh, this? Oh, fair. 
all the humans have been put into cryosleep while the android who doesn't age is looking after the ship because you are a long haul freighter. To confirm for myself, 01707.01 has been awake and alone for upwards of months or years, if we're talking about cryosleep. Let's say months. Okay, cool, cool. The way that the faster than light travel or like sublight travel in this system works is a bit weird. It's like skirting around event horizon-y. So androids have reported weird goings on when, you know, traveling alone. People don't know why. And also for the sake of time, let's say your period has been reasonably normal. That's cool. I just wanted to check. But your flight path has come quite close to an undesignated planet. So there's a possibility that the gravitational field will pull you off course. This is entirely normal because even though it's very empty, space is, you know, often quite full of stuff as well. So you have all been woken up in order for the pilot to basically just deal with this and make sure nothing goes wrong. But that does mean that you're going to have to be awake for a couple of days. (sighs) All right. You've been awake for a little bit. Anton is in the cockpit dealing with things and you're sort of sitting around the breakfast table. It's a little bit like an iconic scene from a certain film that, you know, we're not getting the reference to. I cannot picture the pilot as not the man Anton LaVey. He looks like he would be in deep space for a long time. Shiny, bald, little goatee. Just to let everyone know in a closed atmosphere environment that Anton LaVey was very anti-washing and believed strongly in the natural musk. Mm. Debray does believe in washing (laughs) because you are automatically washed during (laughs) cryosleep. Just scrubbed as soon as you're asleep. Just red raw. (laughs) (laughs) You've been up for a couple of hours. You're having a conversation around the table. I'll give you a bit of time to decompress before doing something horrible to you. You're going to decompress us? Okay, everyone, we need to put on our suits. (laughs) As the android who has been awake, I think I'll come in at the point where you are nibbling. Do I eat? I don't think I eat. No, 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 I don't think these androids eat. Remember, you are run by milk. Um, oh, as we know yes. when androids get hurt. You're just full of milk. Yes, full of milk. I will glide in quietly. Did you have pleasant dreams? <laughs> Carter is drinking coffee from like a tin cup <sighs> and currently talking to Anton about how, like, you know, it's the fact that they scrub you before you go into cryosleep. It's like, what are they trying to clean off, you know? Because that's, that's government regulations, that is. I don't think the company did it. That's something governmental. So, you know, you got to think, haven't you? Got to think about it. I've been pilot for a lot of ships. It's done on all the ships, Carter. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, it's just, but why? No, it's just keep you clean. It's a bacterial mm. protocol, Carter. It's just a bacterial protocol. I believe it is to avoid contraindications when bacterial secretions might interact with the cryosleep gel. Oh, great. If you could all get your bacterial secretions out of my ear holes, all right? Look, just back out. You look me up when, you're, when your eyes are finally open about this stuff, you know? Fine, Carter. Whatever, whatever. And for reference, the way this, because the ship's layout is you've got the cockpit, mm-hmm. then you've got sort of the straight off of it, the kind of general wreck area. So you've got your big table, you've got mm-hmm. like, I don't know, probably some VR games, stuff to keep you entertained and stop you going just horribly bonkers in space because it's terrible. Then just behind that, you've got the quarters. So there are four rooms, obviously 01707.01, which by the end of this game I will have memorised, yeah. doesn't really have quarters. They've just got a locker that's kind of in the corner of the entertainment area. I only require a locker. And then behind that 
is the bulk of the ship, which is basically just a big warehouse full of stuff. You are currently full. You have a full shipment of generic, miscellaneous, normal items. And then right at the back, obviously, you've got the engines, engineering, just all the various bits, like life support is at the back as well. Is this a design flaw? Probably. Is this how they built the ship? Yes. Oh, and also, like, as part of life support, you do have, like, a little hydroponics area for food and oxygen creation, stuff like that. So, basically, Anton shoves you all out of the cockpit because you've done that annoying thing where you've kind of gathered behind his chair to, like, oh, chat at him. yeah, just <laughs> sipping coffee. Yeah, exactly. There's a few buttons that Carter knows are harmless and that he just likes to press. Yeah, so he's, like, slapping. He's got a good finger feel. It feels like he's doing something. So he's like, just, just let me concentrate and just ushers you out, closes the cockpit door, and you hear a click of a lock. <sighs> which can be overridden for, like, emergency safety, but that's like a courtesy, go away, don't bother me for, you know... It's a do not disturb, effectively. So you're back into the wreck area. 0170701, do we know uh, uh, for why we've been awoken? Standard procedure. We are too near the gravity well of this undesignated planet. And actually, let's say you look out of the viewing port and you can see the planet. You know, it's reasonably distant. It's a red planet. You can see some sort of, like, magnetic storms happening on its surface. It doesn't look particularly interesting, but it is the only landmark, really, in space. Right. Well, if you do not find that there are any challenges to interest or distract you, remember there are the suite of VR games... Did anything happen while we were slumbering? Nothing of note. And at that point, I would like to take a brief authorial control. And for the purposes of the episode, mm-hmm. Lydia, can you say nothing of note and like glitch and say mm-hmm. that like, let's say five times? Okay. And then I'll jump in with a thing. Okay. Nothing of note. Nothing of none of note. Nothing, nothing of note. Nothing of note. Nothing of note. And at that point, all heck breaks loose. Oh no. You were sitting in a perfectly, perfectly normal entertainment suite, and then all of a sudden, there is a horrific noise of tearing of metal, multiple small explosions, as another ship appears intersected with your ship. Oh no, I hate this. Oh no. You're basically, the rec room has also become, it looks like you've been merged with the sort of life support area of another ship. You hear, amongst all of the tearing and scraping, you hear a scream from your cockpit, but also the table has been upended. There's a bunch of plants have just been thrown around that are dead and withered. You have, like, let's say, Alabaster was narrowly missed being bisected by a wall. There's, like, machinery and pipes. A small fire has started, and it's just a cacophony of terror and awfulness. Oh, bloody hell! Mm, This is what happens when you try and make space time. (laughs) Ah. Cud's just having a scream. That's very fair. And just to say, 01700701, that glitching has stopped. That was like a precursor to this event, and now you're back to normal. This is irregular. Do you humanoids feel that you have sufficient oxygen to continue uh, in... Uh, <laughs> I will take that as a yes. Life support is... Is life support online? Well, at this point, you hear an automated, or you can just make out beyond the background noise, an automated voice, which is the ship sort of on board, not AI, but like assistant, which 
I shall make mail. I mean, it's a thing. It's an interesting thing. I just really like the idea of just a really surly computer announcement voice. Okay, yeah, fine. It's Red Dwarf. Why not? Yeah, Holly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the life support systems compromised. Seven days of oxygen remaining. Multiple hull breaches. Fires in crew quarters. Entertainment. Cockpit completely compromised. Oh dear. Alabaster runs over and starts banging very weakly on the door to the cockpit if he can. Please do not open the door to the cockpit. The cockpit is completely compromised. There will be a dramatic breach of life support and containment facilities. Please do not open the cockpit. There will be a dramatic breach. Great. Obviously, this is the thing in all RPGs when something suddenly happens and everyone wants to do something. So let's run through people's things. So, Johnny, is Carter trying to deal with a fire? His first instinct is to throw the remains of his coffee on the fire. Fine. Then he stops, looks around. I assume that there are fire extinguishers. There's a fire extinguisher, absolutely. And it's unharmed? It seems to be unharmed. He's going to extinguish some fires. Excellent. I'm not going to ask for a check for that because you have the tool. It's like, whatever, it's fine. You're currently, like, squirting... Yeah. In the meantime, we've got Alabaster and 01707071. Alabaster, after 01707071 has asked you to not do that, are you desisting? Alabaster is not actually trying to open the door. Alabaster's just banging on the door, kind of futilely yelling, uh, Anton, Anton, hello, are you in there? Hello? Don't be dead, please. Cool. And what is 01707071 up to? Do I have access to any kind of additional computer readouts? I don't know, am I connected to something that would tell me how he's doing? Or would I need to look that up on a screen? You are not integrated with the ship, but you can look it up on the screen. I mean, would you like to? I will look up on a screen what compromised entails. I assume there will be lots of red blotches. On a blue background, perhaps? Maybe an orange background for the full... Oh, you know. let's go orange, absolutely. Yeah, you've got that slightly washed-out orange on yellow on beige kind of computer readout. <laughs> and presumably every time a letter comes up, it goes... Absolutely, yeah, there's like a typewriter clicking for no particular reason. Yep. So, Lid, can I get an intellect roll? And do you have computers as trained. We can use this, I suppose, as a wonderful way to remind me and the audience of the rules. I rolled a 54, my intellect is 41. So your intellect is 41. If you look at the back of your sheet, you've also got your skills. Mm -hmm. Do I have computers? Yes, I do. You do. So what that means, you get plus 10%, which means that the number you're trying to roll under Mm -hmm. is 51, because you've got plus 10%, and you rolled... A 54 which is a failure. Uh. Oh, that's one thing I forgot about. Can everybody please take two stress? Because everything's gone awfully wrong. I'll do no such thing. It says my stress starts at two. Am I now overstressed? Your stress is now at four. Oh, okay. It's not a limit. It's just because I think being in space is like there's just a background stress level because it's very dangerous. Yeah, it's just a bit stressful because you're surrounded by nothing. Absolutely. And I could ask for panic rolls. Shall I cascade? Absolutely, let's cascade. So I'm going to deal with Lid, and then I'm going to ask for panic rolls. Lid, you failed at your computer's roll to check the full status report. However, like, 
it's not that you don't get any information it's just there's so much information it's a bit overwhelming like mm-hmm. everything looks absolutely ruined and you are not an engineer so how bad it is like what you can see is that each area of the ship has like a kind of health bar like how full up the damage is the cockpit is at 100 percent. that cockpit is gone the likelihood that anton has survived this is basically nil right where you are the entertainment area is at around about 40 percent, which is why it's not like actively killing you right now crew quarters is 30 percent. the warehouse is like 60 percent and life support and thrusters are at 89 percent oh 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 dear it gives you a general idea of what is a problem right but no really specific information but what i'm also now going to ask for is a panic rolls from all of you right so a panic check so i say when should you roll panic i think after your ship is currently interacting with another ship is viable (laughs) it's pronounced splorked Yes, it has been splorked with with another ship. So make a stress check. So you're just rolling 2d10, so not a d100, it's just 2d10 adding together the result. If you roll over your current stress, you don't panic and you relieve run stress. If you roll equal to or lower than your current stress, you panic and move on to step two. So does anybody roll equal to or lower than a four? No. Yeah, no. It's unlikely at this stage. I did roll a five. Oof, got close. Okay. I have no coping skills. Well, no, you do still cope. You know, a success <laughs> is a success by whatever margin. So you all lose one stress. So you're going down to three Yay. because there was a moment, but now you're like, okay, we need to deal with this. You know, we're professionals. We've trained for this. Not this, but like, you know, <laughs> what goes wrong in space. You've had mm-hmm. the orientation. So you've been splocked. Basically, yes. Zero, what's your, what's the damage? Extensive. Possibly most critical is the damage to life support, which at 89% cannot maintain integrity for a particularly long time. I believe that life support will be critical to keeping you alive, and we should potentially fix that. Right, okay. I'm going to have a look and see uh, on the readout to see how best to go about fixing life support. Sure. Again, I don't think this needs a role because, like, you are the engineer, right? The thing to fix life support, the readouts are not detailed enough. You kind of have to get there and just see what the damage is. You don't know how to fix the problem until you know exactly what's happened. It looks like it's not actively on fire, which is a small mercy. Can I take the... Actually, no, I'll have used up the whole extinguisher. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But the fire is out. Do I have my tools nearby? Absolutely. Everyone's got their lockers in the rec room, so you can kind of pull out your stuff. Fortunately, 0170701's locker has had the top chopped off by what looks like a piece of hull, but you can still open what's left of it and grab your stuff. I am covered in guns. It feels to me like we have uh, three objectives. Uh, one is to look after uh, life support. We should probably try to shut down any volatile processes. I'm thinking, you know, we've got a lot of quite toxic chemicals bouncing around this ship to keep it running. And now we have another ship with those things as well. So we should probably try and shut all that down and then find out what happened. But I feel like the last one might be our lowest priority. <laughs> yes. I'm going to check life support. I'll do the chemicals thing. I'll just start turning basically any processes off that we can. I will accompany you to life support. Good stuff. So, Alabaster, what is your intent with, like, what are you specifically trying to achieve with this turning off chemical processes? Very, very simple. We're having a catastrophic ship failure. 
as a result you have to look after your health which is being covered by the life support team and then you need to stop any further damage and there's lots of moving parts on a big spaceship and now there's double the amount of spaceship so it's turn off everything it's possible to turn off and then start picking up the pieces okay so you're basically powering down everything that's not critical to make sure it's not like malfunctioning just anything I can get to to turn off because otherwise that's another fire waiting to happen an explosion we'll have to deal with later etc etc. At this point most of those critical processes are governed by the thruster and life support areas of the ship. Cool. You are currently apparently in the life support section of this other ship so you could maybe try and access their systems if there is a terminal which is alive. Yeah, you know what? There's nothing that I enjoy more than being the one who is the first aboard the entirely unknown, potentially immediately disappearing vessel. Well, fortunately for you, you are already on board it because yeah! it is now <laughs> also your ship. You have a hunt about for a terminal while 0170701 and Carter kind of are prepping to do an external jaunt because, again, like you don't know if there's vacuum there or not. You kind of have a hunt about, and underneath your table, there is, like, the top of a terminal, which appears to still be on. You've kind of got to, like, lie on the floor to access it. Oh, I hate this so much, Ben. There's going to be so many oblique angles in every room now. It's very upsetting. (laughs) It's like you've been hit in the face by an Escher painting. The name of the ship, because it's got its, like, little splash screen, is the UEC Hilltop. And if you want to make an intellect roll... There was a moment where I was absolutely sure you were going to say, like the UEC Isle of Dark. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'd love to do an intellect to see if that's even a ship that exists. I'd also like to have established that I am immediately wearing a hazard suit because I have one. Yeah, fine. You can struggle into your hazard suit. Yes, please. So make me an intellect. Do you have any supporting skills? I mean, computers is the obvious one, but I will take offers. I have chemistry, hydroponics and biology. So unless it's a very upsetting computer, I don't (laughs) think I have anything relevant. Actually, hydroponics, I think, because you're looking at the life support area. Oh, cool. Cool, cool, cool. You would be accessing the equivalent terminal on your ship to do your job. So I need to roll lower to succeed, yes? Yes, you need to roll under. So you're looking at your intellect score, plus 10. Smash it. My base intellect's 53 and I rolled 15. Oh, fine, great. Oh, that's one thing to mention as well. If you roll a double, so the same value on each dice, that is a critical. Ah. If you succeed, it's a critical success. If the roll is a failure, it is a critical failure. But basically, doubles always make a roll. I really like these mechanics. These good mechanics. I like the system. Uh, But yeah, so doubles are always a critical. Perfect. You've rolled extremely well. You access the UEC Hilltop's life support system. And fortunately, it looks like they are still functioning to some extent. And because these ships have been mashed together any oxygen it puts out is being kind of circulated within the confined space of the combined ships so although this is heavily damaged and from what 0170701 has said your life support system is very damaged they're kind of working together to keep the livable area going may i make a follow-up intellect checks that's sort of attached to that sure currently there's a glass half empty route which is we have two broken ships yes there's a glass half full route which is Mm -hmm. between two broken ships we have one functioning ships worth of systems potentially do i think that's a, a viable route or am i just like no like we need to like cut off the limb As an engineer, Alex, I will say that's not how ships work. You're in life support. You leave me alone. 
Unfortunately, Carter Block is correct. Boo. Fair. All right. There are systems which work, but you're never going to get them to work together. Understood. The fact is that this is just venting oxygen into the same enclosed space, and that's why it's working together. But other than that, like, the thrusters are completely rubbished. Alabaster, you know that, yeah, you're not going to suffocate. You start flicking down, like, the really non-critical systems just to prevent just reduce random the stuff variables. occurring. Just reduce the variables. Keep reducing variables. Yes, although when you're looking at the readout of the hydroponics, it also has kind of the makeup of the air on the UEC hilltop, and you have a, like, flick through the reports, and you see that, like, the air mix that it's reporting is not coming to 100%. There is something else which is just being reported as anomalous. So, like, the systems do not know what it is, but it's like there's something in the air and, like, we don't know. That's what hazard suits are for. That's what hazard suits and back suits. <laughs> On that note, I think, with 0170701 and Carter Block preparing to head to the life support and thruster area of your ship, the UEC Isle of Wight, and Alabaster just finding out about this strange occurrence in the UEC hilltop, which may or may not be associated with the fact that it's munged itself into your ship somehow. It's oh, what? by the way, it's munged. <laughs> A munge. Munge. To munge. To munge. As in merge, but also lunge. He, she, or they munges. I think it's very onomatic here. If, if you like get your hands make them loose and just kind of push them together that's just what munge is to me it's the lay term but yes munge would suffice <laughs> but yes I think on that note we're going to end the episode here and we will be back in part two of the Mothership RPG thanks Ben Goodbye, I hate it it's bye the yeah. in the best way possible <laughs> <laughs> This episode is distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. For more information, visit RustyQuill.com. Tweet us at the Rusty Quill, visit us on Facebook, or email us at mail at RustyQuill.com. Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone, spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.